0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram and I hope you enjoy this episode. This is not a shir that is intended to lead to a psaac. Uh, the first is, obviously, Rabbi is present and is the maridastra, so I shouldn't pass it in his presence, uh, especially not for this community, uh, even though I, I don't think there's going to be much space between us at all, if any. Uh, secondly, we're dealing with a question that um, greater scholars than I have already weighed in on, as we'll see, and uh, will continue to weigh in on. Uh, for I know that my teacher, Rabbi Mordechai Willig, is, um, is going to be in a public conversation with Dr. Glatt this Sunday. Uh, so I'm hesitant to, uh, to put my own position out as, as, a, uh, as a strong halachic, you know, as a in that in that context. And third, because this is a constantly developing position, as we'll see, and so, therefore, I don't know that anybody needs to paskin before they need to paskin. So, you know, since nobody's asked me a shayla, I don't have to, I don't have to uh, it yet. So, I'm offering you what, what my thoughts are, and um, and and then we'll see where the, uh, where that goes as the situation situation develops. I thought we should address this topic because of the uh, you know, the broad interest in it. Actually, got asked the uh, the question in two contexts. One, a very straight question from a rabbi: Is there an obligation according to Halakha, to receive the COVID vaccine, and what should the triage priorities be in its distribution? Based on halacha, and a more elaborate question from a journalist uh, asking for you know what the Jewish position is. The journalist assumed that there's a priority for frontline workers, but the question is how to um, how to come next? Is it old people? Is it elementary school teachers? Do we care about the economic effect? Do we care about getting young learners back on track, uh, education, right? All those sorts of things, and what our strategy should be. So this question, you know, this question I think obviously has a great deal of uh, public interest. And I know that um, right, that Rabbi Chessis has been on the front lines of this for the shul, uh, I say Dr. Traum has been also. I imagine many others that I'm unaware of are part of the uh, of the shul committee, and um, therefore are very likely to be more up on the facts than me. So I want to talk about the I want to talk about the purpose and the nature of talking about what halach has to say about these issues. I think that's the first and um, the first part of the share that I want to talk about uh, at, at length. Um, I need to credit first. Um, there are really two two main conduits in my life for the uh, opinions of some of the great scholars of our era on the on these sorts of issues. One is Rabbi Jason Wiener uh, of Los Angeles, who's the chaplain at Cedars Sinai. Uh, so he has a very close relationship with a number of prominent, um, I would say, medical halachis. Um, and you know, we've talked about the difference between medical halacha and medical ethics. Uh, so he he wrote a question very similar to the first question that I quoted at you to. Uh, Rav Rimon, who is the rabbi of, um, of Alon Shvut, and, and also runs an international halacha program. And to Rav Usher Weiss, who many of you know, is one of the great postgames of our time. Um, so I'm very grateful that he sent me um, he, he, he sent me the actual text of the Shuvut they wrote to him, and he's published parts of them on his blog. Uh, the second, Rabbi Eli Fisher, who also happens to be a summer bit Midrash alum, <laughs> Uh, also has a very close relationship with Roy Weiss, and he has also published on his blog, True Vote that, or his Facebook page, True Vote, that Ray Weiss has written to two others, um, one to a doctor in England and once to Rabbi Shea Schachter uh, of Long Island. Uh, so all those are, on, are I'll be sharing with you tonight, and I uh, should credit Rabbi Wiener and Rabbi Fisher for being, uh, for being those conduits in addition to their own uh, estimable scholarship. Um, Rabbi Wiener uh, contributes a great deal on medical ethics um, specifically or my um, that contributes in other areas. Um, okay, so when Ruby, Winter, Ruby Winter published Ruby Weiss's initial response to the question, is there an obligation to take the COVID vaccine? So Ruby Weiss's response was that he couldn't say there was an obligation. Would say, he could say that people certainly had permission to take it if they wanted to, and if their doctor told them that they, uh, that they should. Um, when Ruby Winter published a stronger position on his blog, Uh, So he was challenged that um, – by somebody who wrote in his shuva, Revaishlita was explicit and thoughtful about risk-benefit of a vaccine that relies on new technology and the lack of standard rigorous safety trials. How does that factor into your thinking? Kusher Ramina responds, well, that relates to the issue of how strongly we would encourage people to take it. I have spoken to him again since he wrote that shuva, and he tells me that he has spoken to, to experts who have made him feel much more comfortable with the safety of the vaccine and the rigorousness of the trials. Um, so I think the Rabbi Weiss's position right now would be that uh, many people are obligated to take the vaccine, um, but it shows you you know what what does it mean to pass in halacha on an issue which is so dependent upon factual analysis. Uh, Rabbi Weiss uh, has enormous contact with a great number of medical experts. I have contact with fewer, um, and private people have contact with their own doctors. Um, so what is the Right? What is what is the nature of halacha? In these, types, in these types of issues. And then there was a second kind of dialogue on the winner's Facebook page that right, I thought was also valuable, in which somebody said, uh, the hard, right, again, I'm, not, I'm not quoting people by name, a hard question, if it turns out that the halachic recommendation is 99% in line with the CDC recommendation, what's the point of halacha? Right, a, right, a, where does halacha get authority from? And B, if it turns out that all halacha says is follow the doctors, what's the purpose of halacha? And if halacha didn't say follow the doctors, why would you care about it? Right, so it sounds like halacha is just doing me-tooism. So Rabbi Wiener wrote uh, right, four different reasons. Right? One is we get to the similar conclusion in a different way, and that may have naf may have different outcomes. Two is that there are people who will have to make these decisions on their own, such as owners of nursing homes, and they may be more influenced by what halacha has to say about it than the CDC, so it's important to say that halacha largely agrees with the CDC. Three is just to show the Torah is relevant to our times. And four is lots of people are asking for a Jewish perspective on this, so clearly they want to know. And if nothing else, it excites people to learn Torah when it is practical and relevant to the issues they are wondering about. Uh, so that's a big question for me, right? Is it really, you know, is it how practical and relevant is it if you really think it doesn't add anything and all it does is tell you to follow the CDC? I think that's a, um, I think that's a really important um, question. Uh, so I want to put out like there, there is a, if I were just having an internal achik discussion. Within Rabbi Weiss's framework, we could say that maybe, uh, maybe even if you still believe that the vaccines were not as tested as it, that would that would make you comfortable um, giving them complete recommendations. Uh, Roshel Zalman has uh Rashoma Zalman Arbach, who's one of the late great uh, great poskim of the late 20th century, uh, has a very wild tshuva that Rabbi Mordechai Trutiner quoted in which he suggests that perhaps the battle perhaps um, dealing with a pandemic is similar to fighting a war and the government actually has the right to order people to put themselves at risk for the good of a society. Um, right. So we could have the conversation on that level as well. Um, to me, here's, here's what I think. Um, I think that there, that halakhic scholars are put in two very different kinds of positions. And we need to be able to distinguish those kinds of positions sharply because it leads to a lot of confusion. Uh, when we don't distinguish them. One position is when people ask them for a PSOC and they have to make the decision. Um, that's true of any non-expert who is given authority in any kind of community. The President of the United States is not going to be expert in all the fields that he has to make decisions about. But communities decide by, by, um, by, some, you know, by some largely democratic means, sometimes by non-democratic means, but uh, community, right, communities decide... Who gets to make decisions and all important communal decisions involve a nexus of values and facts. And it's fallacious to believe that rabbis have any supernatural capacity to determine facts, or halakha for that matter. Hopefully they have expertise um, in halakha, which they don't have, this which they don't, which they generally do, don't have more than uh highly competent laypersons um, education in uh, in medicine. So, But sometimes you have to make a decision. And whenever you make a halachic decision, you have to decide both the law and the facts. Because that's what a halachic decision is, right? Right? If I tell you, right, if I tell you, you know, that you ask me, am I allowed to eat this chicken that I just poured the milk over? And I say, no, that's trafe. And you say, but it's not really milk, it's soy milk. And I say, right? So well, I have them asking for you, right? <laughs> uh, right. At some point, if I'm going to ask him whether this meat is kosher or treif, I have to decide based on the best evidence I have available, whether it's milk or soy milk. And if you ask me the question, then to some extent, I have to ask him that. So if somebody asks a question um, that depends on medical knowledge, so then... If the POSIC decides to answer that question halakhically, then they have to decide the facts. And that really makes it, there's some communities and some circumstances where people might choose to give a POSIC um, the authority to answer to answer a question like that, and somewhere it won't. So, for example, POSIC have much more real-world decision-making uh, influence in Israel than they do in the United States, um, where people ask, they're not just, they're not, that not just to write advisory opinions about what the theoretical halacha is, but to weigh in on national, uh, national ethics commissions, as sometimes happens in the United States on bioethics commissions. Um, but I think when somebody, right, in the United States, post are never given formal authority where they have that kind of responsibility, just sometimes people give them the responsibilities. Nursing homeowners, for example, right, a from nursing homeowner might decide to ask a Shiloh Right, in what order should I vaccinate my patients and might choose to follow that. And right, so now at that point, the posting has a choice. They can say, I will decide for you, or they can say, uh, or they can say, No, I think that's a decision you have to make yourself, but that's not necessarily the right thing to do either. Um, secondly, it's it's reasonable sometimes for um for lay people to say, you know what? Um, we trust our halachic authority to guide our community in lots of other kinds of issues, which really depend on sociological judgments, psychological judgments. And so I'm not saying that this is a uh, but I really care about the halachic authority's position because I assume that they have done deeper research and had access to great, a greater range of medical authority, let's say, through a shul medical commission, which meets um, – right? it doesn't necessarily you know, publish detailed minutes of every conversation – um, than the rest of us do. And so it's very reasonable to, at that point, to say I'm very interested in what your position would be, even if I don't frame that as a psak. And then there's a third kind of position where you don't have any responsibility. Nobody's deferring to your practical judgment. Nobody thinks you need to make a practical judgment. All they're saying is, I want to know the way in which Torah thinks I ought to, right? Torah, Torah frames my thinking about this. So my position, um, in terms of, you know, in my private life, uh, I think that the, um, I think you know, I, I, I'm convinced that the evidence that the vaccine is safe is, you know, is compelling. Uh, I would happily take the vaccine if it were offered to me. Uh, I have particular situations, right, in terms of family, family issues like that, but that they all militate in terms of my taking it. If someone were to ask me for my PSOC, Um, if somebody asked me, Shaila, should I take it? Then assuming that medical advice was in favor, I would say yes. Um, What I want to introduce, but what I want to do in this sheer though is not to make a practical case, which I think uh, Dr. Traum can do for you or the can do for you because they have much more access to the data uh, than I do. What I want to do is put value framings on it and perhaps the contribution I can make in some cases is to raise to raise awareness of ways in which there are moral issues that are not obvious to everybody. Um, The most important thing I think that comes up in this, in, in this kind of area is the, what sorts of risks are you entitled to take? Right. Somebody comes along and says, I personally would rather take the risk of getting COVID than being vaccinated. Right. So what sort of decision are you making? Um, So there's one kind of issue, which is when people ask about their own care, um, right, what, what kind of risks am I allowed to take in my own care? And that, as a post I generally am very much in favor of autonomy, that people can take, people can make reasonable autonomous decisions about what sorts of risks they take in their own medical care, consistent with a general duty to take care of their health. But I don't like mechanical notions uh, that say that you have to do whatever uh, a particular doctor Tells you as the tells you as the best medical practice because you're entitled to to uh, have idiosyncratic opinions. We're entitled to care about quality of life issues. All those sorts of things I think are important. Um, what makes a vacina- this vaccination issue specifically really uh, different morally is that it's almost impossible to assume a risk yourself without sharing that risk with lots of other people. Um, so I think that. When people ask the – if people were to ask a Shiloh, do I have to vaccinate, the issue is, are you planning to stay in a hermetically sealed room with no contact with other human beings? And certainly no contact with other human beings who have not – not, right, who are not perfectly transparent about and fully aware of all – right, of whatever choices you're making. That would be one kind of Shiloh. That would be about yourself. But the, um, the, overwhelming, um, the, the overwhelming majority of us are in situations where all our actions create risk for others. And the kind of risk you can assume for others is very different than the kind of risk you can assume for yourself. My argument is uh, that we derive from the, um, from the halacha, that you have to die rather than cause someone else's death, that the standard of risk for other people is much higher than the standard of risk for yourself. And that means, um, I think also, that um, you have to be much, much more um, self-conscious about the extent to which you might be manipulating facts in ways that, uh, that agree with the decision you wanted to reach re- to reach previously. Um, and that's why I, th- you know, I think that people are entitled on occasion to idiosyncratic positions. And even if that might take them to be at, uh, to, take, to take what are, what, what most doctors would tell them are inadvisable risks. But I think you have much, much less right to do that when you're talking about other people's uh, other people's risk uh, risk frameworks, so that's the first point. Uh, that's the first point I want to make. Um, okay, um, and yes, yeah, so I think that's um, I think that there you know that really the the but my job um, here where I you know where I am where I am less interested in um, in reaching a decision than in creating a framework. What I'm trying to do is create that moral that moral framework. And so the first really important moral framework I want to say is that it's wrong to think about it as what sorts of risks am I willing to take, because I think that is a much lower standard. Um, it'll, you're entitled to take much more risk. You're entitled to follow idiosyncratic positions much more about yourself than about others. And it's really important to constantly stress that vaccination is a decision about the risk you're imposing on others as opposed to the risks you're assuming for yourself. And we'll see. That reverberates through the other kinds of um, through the other kinds of Shiloh. Okay, Sirav so um, answering the question of how we should how we should. Um, ah, sorry, second point I want to make. Second point I want to make. Uh, this to me is the foundation of all halachic uh, medical ethics. Um, is that we have a principle expressed partially in that rule: you have to die before causing someone else's death, uh, but in other contexts as well, that we treat. Um, we treat all human lives as equal, um, at that you know there are always there are always going to be um, cases around margins, uh, you know people dying imminently, whatever it may be. But the basic rule in halakha is that all lives are equal. So, for example, the questions come up both ways, right? You know whether uh, very some people think that let's say people in prison should be vaccinated last because they contribute less to society than let's say poets or uh, or engineers, whatever you happen to think is a is a is a category of great cont- contribution to society, uh, so I think that is absolutely uh, excluded halachically. Um, that you know, any 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 choice in priorities which is framed as person X person X's life is more valuable valuable than person Y's life intrinsically is a moral abomination and should be excluded. And that means you can't talk about who's older and younger, right? We have a general consensus that, ex- right, that we don't care about how long the life will last within, again, with, with, with arguments about, on, on the margins. But certainly if you're talking about somebody who will live a year versus somebody who's going to live 30 years, you can't make that decision. Uh, you can't make the decision on halachic grounds. I think that's a second, really, right? And what people have done in the past, right? What sort of virtues they have. Uh, all that is halachically irrelevant on, um, on issues like that. You might make pragmatic judgments as a community over which kind uh, right giving this person uh, giving this person the vaccine first is more likely to save more lives, but that's not the same thing as saying that one person's life is more valuable um, than another let's say there are there there are two kinds of arguments for giving uh, first responders um, they're giving first responders uh, the vaccines first one is that first responders are constantly in situations where they impose risk on others not through their choice and therefore it is a social it's a a wise pragmatic decision more people will be saved if you give first responders the um, vaccinations than if you give artists uh, who paint in solitude uh, 24-7 will never, never only come in contact with the human being once when they get their mail through a slot Um, that's a very plausible reasonable halachic argument. There's another kind of argument, which is that first responders are risking their lives, and therefore they deserve to get the vaccination first. That I have a great deal of trouble with halachically. The notion that we evaluate worth, and we evaluate worth on this narrow scale and we create a kind of reward-punishment axis. Uh, I have a great deal of difficulty um, justifying that in a Torah framework. There's an intermediate category, which is that first responders are more likely to risk their lives if they know that they right, that they will receive, that they that they'll receive vaccination first. And that I think is already is a, is a deeply, um, I'm deeply ambivalent about that kind of argument. I think you have to make it very, you have to make it very carefully because it has, it, it has grave moral risks in the society. So that was the second point uh, I want to make that everything has to start on the premise that all human lives are, um, are equal, uh, all human lives have some form of uh, infinite value, um, and that you have to be careful when you make a decision uh, that you're not um, pushing aside one life for the sake of another. Right? That's the language mm-hmm. of the Mishnah Oholot is nefesh, nefesh You can't push aside one nefesh for the sake of another, and you have to be very careful that you're never saying that on a right that in terms of what I believe is its absolute value, the continuation of this life is more valuable than the, conti- than the continuation of that life. Okay, that's moral principle um, number two. Okay, so Rav Ramon, in, um, responding, in responding to uh, Ray Wiener's question, uh, framed like, the, the priority question interested him was the following. Uh, if, if you have the source sheet, we're on page two now. Rav uh, Ramon, um, and just the key is that everything in asterisk, everything in italics is me, uh, and everything else is, uh, is got from someone else. So Ramon frames it this way, um, my English translation. Assuming that the vaccine will be equally effective for everybody, right? So we're not dealing, we're going to bracket all the pragmatic questions over, right, you know, over how, how, how the vac- how vaccination's effectiveness is, 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 um, affected by, uh, right, by other kinds, other kinds of conditions, by age, um, social, right, social circumstances, all those sorts of things. Assuming that everything else is equal. And you have a choice, um, between vaccinating the people who are in immediate danger themselves. Right. His example is the elderly, particularly the elderly who are in confined environments such as nursing homes, uh, or vaccinate people who are more likely to infect other, right, who themselves are not in anywhere near as um, as great danger, but are likely to be conduits of infection to others. Young people, right, who live right, who are right, who for various reasons are living lives in which, which expose them, uh, which which expose them to up to, a, to a variety of others. Um, so Ramon asks Ramon asks this question, and he says that the proper framework to think about this is Chole All right, is who is right? Which situation is more immediate, right? More immediately ill? And he says that the um, that the uh, using a chazun, right, the original category Chole was developed by the NoDa in the 18th century, and the Chazanish in the 20th century said the person doesn't actually have to be sick. They have to, right? The category of a sick person immediately in front of us can be extended to a person who has a susceptibility immediately in front of us. I'm trusting him on the Chazanish. I haven't, had, haven't found the Chazanish yet. Um, and, uh, right, and therefore he thinks that the right, Ramon suggests that the right answer is to vaccinate uh, the elderly, right, the elderly who are themselves in direct danger, more than the young people who are in, um, who are. At greater, uh, have a greater chance of becoming vectors uh, because it's more immediate. So I want to interrogate that notion of whether immediacy is the right halachic framework. And I want to use that to uh, to bring out what I think actually is uh, an ongoing difficulty, crisis in halacha uh, and all these sorts of issues which I think needs to be addressed and all of us need to keep asking the right questions. So the category Chol L'Faninu is originally developed by uh, the who, in response to the question of whether it was permitted to conduct autopsies um, for the sake of improving medical knowledge in a very concrete way, right? There was a particular kind of surgery that was um, in constant improvement as a result of, as a result, as a result of autopsies. Um, and, resu- and there was a me- there was actually a revolution going on in medical education at the time. You can read it in a book called the nice man, which I have on my shelf somewhere about how John Hunter, transform medical education in England by um, right through um, through allowing allowing students to do dissection um, and and the the challenge really was it was a, that there was no question that medical knowledge was a surgical ability was improving dramatically as a result of these autopsies on the other hand uh, very few bodies were getting buried they were getting dug up by gangs hired by medical schools and um, and if you said that Jews were willing to uh, we're willing. We're willing to be autopsied for the sake of medical knowledge. Then no Jews, period, would ever be buried. Um, so Noda came up with a with a with a uh, with a an, I would call an ad hoc solution. He demonstrates powerfully that there are no precedents. And then he says his right, the category is it depends whether there is a patient already in need of a, a, a an existing patient in your um, right in. In, in, in front of you, right? In some way, already in a patient relationship with you, who will benefit from the knowledge you will gain by um, by engaging in this dissection, and that was his way through that through that challenge. Um, and it's not at all clear, right? You know, it, nobody has come up with anything explicitly better or disagreeing, really. I think, but it has obviously it ran into grave difficulties. Uh, both his medical knowledge increased in all sorts of ways, and anatomy lab became a standard, pract- became standard practice in all medical schools. And medical students don't have patients yet, so right, so that was so that was one way of challenging it. Also, instantaneous communication around the world meant that uh, all knowledge benefited somebody somewhere in the world, except in the rarest conditions. And so there have been many efforts, such as the Chazon to extend the to extend the Noda But the the, the problem Noda Behuda had was, if you say that you're allowed to violate a prohibition to gain knowledge because it will generally improve medical care. So he didn't understand, he didn't see where you could draw a line. Uh, and he writes in his trivia he says, if if you call this pikuach nefesh, right, you say that adding to medical knowledge generally counts, right, because there's a patient somewhere in the world who will eventually benefit from this, counts as pikuach nefesh, so then not only doctors work on Shabbos, but anybody working anywhere in the healthcare industry can right, can work on Shabbos. Cancer researchers should always work on Shabbos. People manufacturing bandages should always work on Shabbos. And every right, every everything you do right, that contributes in any way to improving care anywhere down the line. So he drew a very a very stark line. Right, I'm going to read you what the Neviyudah said. He says, "Haloim um, zei a If you say that. Conducting autopsies, which we admit will gain knowledge that will improve medical care, counts as pikuach nefesh. Why do you bother having the conversation? It's an explicit law, right? That pikuach nefesh pushes aside everything in the world, and not just pikuach nefesh, but even tzavik pikuach nefesh, right? Not not right. Even when there's a when there's a remote chance that you'll save a life, and not only immediately on this Shabbos, but even in future Shabbos. right? So if that so if that were the case, he said. Um, right, everything would become permitted. So he ended up saying that actually there's just a bright line. If there's a if there's a patient in front of you, then it's and you can violate everything in the Torah, right, except for murder, uh, idolatry and, uh, and adultery. Um, but if there's no patient in front of you, he said, you can't even violate, right, that's his line. It says, um, in our case, if there is no Sick person currently um, who needs this. Just they want to learn this wisdom. Maybe a sick person will come along and need this. We don't push aside for this for this light concern any biblical prohibition, not even a rabbinic prohibition. Because if you call this concern, in Kenya, all medical all medical professions, right, grinding the medications and right and, and um, cooking the medications and preparing and right? sharpening the knife, right, to bleed people, all those will be permitted on Shabbat. is Hayom Right, because anything you do might become necessary. So this is a straitjacket that uh, halacha has been in, which him have spent two hundred years. It's, it, was, it was a brilliant at the time. I think a very valuable uh, straight jacket. But Postcom have been trying to figure a way around it for 200 years, because that bright line is very hard to sustain intuitively. We understand the challenge, right? And I I can say, let's say well, I got Shilas about whether people could go to work uh, early in the uh, early in the pandemic period. Um, let's say you uh, know people I try whether people could sew masks on Chavez uh, I got challenged whether people could go to work in government offices that were um, right that were um preparing uh right that that were you know that were engaged in trying to uh to maximize um and and, and maximize the efficiency of distribution of PPEs uh, right those sorts of questions and some of them were some of them I thought you could be not at some things and some of them I thought not uh, and it was very challenging because you know the, you know because you don't really think that it should be everything is permitted or nothing, and yet that's the framework the Nota Behuda uh, gave us, so we'll see how that plays out in some of the halakhi questions that uh, come up with us. right? Is there right, so, every, um, so Ramon said that was the right standard, uh, and I'm not sure that was the right standard even in the Nota Behuda categories uh, because that assumes that the person you're focusing on is the person in front of you. But actually, when you're talking about vaccination, you're not, right, you never, the, the person, the people you care about really are not the people in front of you, right? There's always much more risk to the other people around you, right? Just, right, if you get sick, then you might infect lots of other people, and they might be more susceptible than you. So the notion that we prioritize the people who are, nobody's sick, right? We're, all, we're only talking about preventive measures, right? The whole point of vaccination is nobody's sick yet. So I wonder whether it's not a category error even try and introduce the notion of immediacy as opposed to thinking about long-term social prospects as well. So my instinct um, would be not to use Rev Ramon's um, categorization at all. Uh, Rav said, and I, I'm the same issue that, you know, that he's writing of this under the pressure of circumstances. And I, I don't know if on reflection, uh, if on reflection, that would be the right, um, that would be the right framework to use. Um, but the Right? What Ramon's doing um, is trying to say like, the way to think about this is pikuach nefesh. It's a pikuach nefesh situation. And because of pikuach nefesh situation, then we have to figure out how to prioritize it. But what I, you know, if you accept my claim that chol lefileni was the wrong category, the implicit notion of that is that it doesn't fit into the notibudis category at all. It's not re- It's really not pikuach nefesh at all. Um, and for many people, you know, right, it's really, it's really. It's worth thinking about like what the standard of Pico fish individually would be, um, you can test that, but you know right, you know, you know in certain ways like the test is uh, if you had your right, if you had a, you know a very important social engagement and you could get the vaccine at three o'clock in the afternoon or at nine o'clock in the afternoon, right when would you get it and if the answer is I would put it off six hours, so then probably it you know probably you can't violate Chavez for it and if you can't violate Chavez for it, then it's not, probably not Pico fish. So some people would and some people wouldn't. And that probably has something to do. You know, I think that there are, uh, and why they would and why they would not is also, also matters. I'm, I want to interrogate that notion of whether Piko'ach Nefesh is the right category. And I want to do that with you through um, Rav Asher Weiss. Uh, so Rav Asher Weiss wrote a, um, wrote a tshuva um, to a doctor in, um, in England. Uh, it seems like Alicia Khan Cohen, I don't know how to pronounce that name. Um, and here's the question he was asked. I'm translating English. You can follow along in Hebrew. He says, right. So now, right. So now that, right. Here's my short answer to your question. Now that they've begun to um, to vaccinate people in your country, England, and in, in, be- in the beginning, they're only vaccinating people. They they adopted the approach of everyone suggested. They're only vaccinating people who have whatever uh, they really call it, comor- comor- comorbidities, whatever it is conditions that raise their level of risk. Each pe- person is invited to take their turn to reach the, right, to go to the local clinic in order to receive the vaccine. Um, and since there's a limited, there's a, there's a limited quantity of vaccine to distribute, if you don't show up in the first, in the first round, you're going to be pushed off to the second round and nobody knows how long that will be. So, right so, right, so in England, where they have a national medical, right, national medical insurance, right, single payer. So, right, there's just appointments. Everyone has an appointment and you get your appointment on Shabbos. And you don't have the option of, of exchanging your appointment with somebody else. Right, we could try and say, you try and set up situations, bulletin boards, things like that, where you exchange appointments. I don't know if that's practical or not. The assumption is that's not practical. And the question is, are they allowed to be Mechal Shabbos to receive their vac- their vaccination, as opposed to being pushed off to whenever the next round is, which nobody knows. Probably will be fairly close, but nobody knows. Uh, right? He says, right, Nobody knows when this will be. But we can assume that it's not going to be very long, because Nobody's interested in punishing people who don't show up because right, our goal is to get everybody vaccinated. So, right, so can you be Michael Shabbos in order to receive the in order to receive the vaccine now, as opposed to waiting for the next round of vaccine? Right? This is elderly people right, or other people at high risk. Uh, right, so his answer, right, so his answer is this it's obvious to me. Uh, it's obvious to me that I cannot permit any kind of biblical prohibition for the sake of receiving the vaccination. Um, right? The Avlo Yisud Rabbanan. He says I don't think I can even permit a rabbinic prohibition, because even though the right, the the uh, pandemic is is there, uh, right, is increasing, increasing its force in your location, it's very difficult to categorize receiving a vaccine as bikoch nefesh or even as Suffolk bikoch nefesh, uh, which would let you push aside anything because you know what. If people, his claim is, if people observe proper, uh, proper cautions, it's really unlikely they'll get sick, and it's particularly unlikely that DAFCA, those people who don't get vaccinated now, uh, right, are going to get sick because they'll get vaccinated soon anyway. However, he says, you know, you're talking, right, since it's in a local clinic, everybody can walk there, so there's nothing wrong with walking there. And you're getting a shot into a muscle, it doesn't require, right, it's not even a psych ratio, it's not even inevitable that that's gonna cause blood. So there's no, right, there's no even risk of any kind of even quasi biblical violation. Um, the, only issue, the only issue is that there's gonna be a non Jew there, uh, right, a presumptive non Jew there, who's going to, uh, right, who's going to write, write down that you received your vaccination, and that's really for the government's sake and not for your sake. And therefore he says, you know what, I think you can go get the vaccination on Shabbos. Because I don't have, I don't see any reason. Um, I don't see a reason. I, I don't see any real violation that you're committing. So you can see what he's doing, right? What he says is, I can't call it because because I call it because nefesh. I don't know what the boundary is, but you ask me a specific question, and I'm going to give you an answer that lets you do what I think the right thing is, um, without setting any kind of precedent that goes um, that goes beyond that. Uh, well, the interesting quest- thing is that um, a different question was sent to him by Rabbi Shei Shachter, and his, right, the, and, his answer, and Rabbi Shachter, the um, the, right, the question is as follows. Um, right, this is page five of the uh, of the question. Right? Is there is there is a doctor, a, a woman, a, a woman, a woman doctor, and she has been panicking the whole time about the risk of infection to her and her family. And she's waiting desperately for the uh, for the vaccine so that she'll no longer be at risk of um, of of contagion. And um, and it seems likely that what's going to happen is that each you know each each hospital staff, whatever it may be, they're going to get a they're going to get a time in which um, right in which they can receive the shots. But because, right, and if they don't get their shot at the time they show up, they're going to be pushed off to the next round, which is going to be several weeks later. Now, in the United States, it's unlikely of clinic, you don't have local clinics with a centralized process giving it out, so it's probably going to be that the hospital you work at gives you the option of being of being vaccinated and the hospital you work at is not going to be in walking distance. So the question is, can this Dr. on Long Island, uh, on, can this Dr. on Long Island go in on Chavez to receive or right, to receive her um, her vaccine shot as opposed to getting it several weeks later in the next round? So here's what he says. He's already answered this question in England about elderly people and sick people, right, and people with with other kinds of illnesses that increase their their vulnerability. Um, And they also were worried that they'd have to wait a certain amount of time if they didn't get the vaccine. And he says again, I can't allow violating a biblical prohibition. Because it's really hard to see accepting the vaccine as pikuach nefesh that pushes aside Shabbos. After all, right? This doctor has done her work from for many months and hasn't gotten it hasn't it hasn't become infected. And as long as you behave in a responsible manner, then it's not so likely she's going to get infected. And even though in pikuach nefesh we don't follow the rove, and even though even when there's multiple sfeikot, right? Multiple de- multiple improbabilities, we generally. Uh, violent, it's still hard to call to figure out what the boundaries of that are, and it can't be infinite. I already explained that not that it's not true that any slight faint doubt uh can risk allows Khilo Shabbos. Okay, so now it sounds like she can't go. But then he says an astounding thing. his says Achmi comakum, we're on page six now, near but nonetheless it seems the it seems like this isn't, shouldn't be any less than a sick person who's not in danger, uh, but does have an illness on Shabbat, where we allow them to not only to benefit from the, from the independent work of an Andrew, but we allow them to ask an Andrew to do something. Uh, right? But who didn't, right? So if, if, a, if, a, sick per, if a, person, a sick person who's not in danger can tell an Andrew to do something, so he says, So he says, you're put you're in a statistical group that um, right that has a certain amount of um, that a, where the group is subject to a statistical risk and that he says is enough to make you a the equivalent of a sick person who has right, an unendangered sick person and that we allow you to violate rabbinic prohibitions, especially asking an jew to do something and therefore he tells the doctor you can get in an uber and drive to the hospital on Shabbos to get your shot that's an amazing thing because we read the Odeh and there is no such intermediate category as right as sort of bikoch nefesh, and so he says, what I think is astounding creativity." Yeah, but this sort of bikoch nefesh counts just like sickness, which isn't bikoch nefesh. Um, that to me is an amazing thing. Uh, I find it very hard to accept it analytically, um, and yet I think that it's. Um, I think that it's the. Right, I think that it's the right answer, um, but, I don't, but I'm dissatisfied with the reasoning. So, Rabbi um, mean, Aaron Fraser on Rabbi Winner's Facebook page. Right? Aaron Frazier, though some of you don't know, is a Boston, Boston native. He was the, also the JLIC at Brandeis, wonderful, uh, wonderful Talmud Chacham. So he asked, this might be a reasonable way to think about the issue for individuals. But is it the right way to think about the issue for a society? The issue for a society is that a certain, more people will die if we don't vaccinate as many people as possible as rapidly as possible. And so the question is not so much whether you should go to your appointment on Shabbos. The question is whether in Israel, if they're following halacha, should they be giving vaccinations 24-7? Because, right, even though the individual risks may be hard to view as because of but there's no doubt on a communal level, there is, right, there are lives being saved by engaging in this. Um, and it might be that, Ray right, Fraser sets out like a plausible test. If we believe, right, if in fact we are making every effort to maximize vaccination as rapidly as possible, um, right, now it might be that going to a seven-day-a-week model has other costs that we're not willing to engage in terms of quality of care because we're taking medical professionals away from other areas, we're exhausting them. But assuming that we could keep everything similar, if this is the right, if it's a communal need to get as many people vaccinated uh, as rapidly as possible, so maybe that's the right way to think about it. In the same way that you think about uh, right that you know, that that soldiers or policemen in Israel aren't supposed to think about. Whether their individual task on this Shabbos is preventing an attack on the country, the country needs there to be an army and a police force on Shabbos. Um, and then I think right, um, Deborah made the same point uh, in conversation with me, um, right? And that if, um, right, we wouldn't, if that were the case, you know, nobody would suggest that um, that doctors shouldn't show up. It's, you know, it's the same issue as doctors being on call generally, uh, right? When right where we participate in a society, and so if the society determines that it needs this to happen all the time and right, and there's no way to arrange a switch, so then you're allowed to show up because that's your contribution to society. Uh, and that's That counts as because nefesh. Uh, so I think that's the right question that we need to really be thinking about. Um, I think right, Fraser's question is right. I think Deborah's question is right. That it might be that it's not the right way to think about it. And the right way to think about it for everybody, the moral question, as we went back to, is not to what degree is this because nefesh for me? Or even to what degree is this because nefesh for a sp- for a specific set of other people. Now, this also has real challenges. You know, what happens if there are, you know, if my failure to vaccinate um, creates a one in a million chance that one person in the United States will uh, right will die will die of COVID who wouldn't have otherwise. So, something be right? It's hard, right? That's I think Ray right, Weiss's challenge is real. There has to be a boundary, um, but at the same time, I think that a society. Can look at the situation and say that from our perspective, there's a very high probability that more people will die, not because of your choice, but because your cho- right, because of what would happen if your choice were universalized. It would happen if everybody acted the way you did. So I think that might very well be the, a much better way to think about it. And we need to um think about halakha much more in those terms. I don't know that you have to go um as you know as far as uh, Rabbi Arbach did and say, actually, you know, dealing with a pandemic is the equivalent of going to war. And so, you know, in a sense, we suspend normal halachic rules uh, in certain ways, and we are bound by much broader canons of ethics. Um, but I think that that kind of calculation, that the, the calculation, um, I usually quote an article from Rabbi Mordechai Tendler about this, that communities are allowed to think uh, about statistical people and not just about real people. Individuals have to make decisions in terms of real specific people. The communities are allowed to make decisions about statistical people. So I think that's really the right, the right framework, which we maybe have not gotten to so much yet in the public discourse, is thinking about right, everyone's responsibility in the context of a society when our goal is herd immunity. Uh, right? So you don't think about what your decision will do. You have to be thinking about what would happen if everyone made the same decision you did. Um, And I think that would lead us to a, um, to allowing, assuming that in fact, and I don't, I don't know what, how the vaccine rollout is being made. If it turns out that, you know, and I had another Shiloh about this recently, you know, whether, what happens if, right, what happens if you're working in a clinic that just sets its hours as nine to five, and they're perfectly happy nine to five, five days a week. So from five o'clock Friday to 9am Sunday, there's no medical care in that clinic at all. Um, but they're small clinics, so they can't allow you to. They can't, right? So they're not going. They're not going to allow you out of uh, out of rotation. So they won't give you off Friday afternoon. Can you go into work? And I thought the answer was no. Right? It's not of nefesh, right? Because they could. They, it's arbitrary. They could move the hours to seven to three um, on Fridays, right? Or six to two, or they could extend the hours the other days of the week. No, you know, that's their decision, and you're not participating in a social decision that it has to happen that way. Uh, but if we were in a situation where we really felt that it was absolutely imperative to vaccinate everybody as rapidly as possible, uh, then I think that would be, um, and I think even if we're not in that, you know, it's not a time issue, but it's an overall question that, uh, you know, if you say, for example, in terms of herd immunity, that really nothing matters until you get to a certain percentage, right, that the effectiveness of it is dramatic, there's a tipping point at which it's, it's, it suddenly becomes massively effective. And until then, Every in the individual decisions don't make so much difference. So then to say that halacha is going to be decided based on what the impact of your decision is, is not correct. The right way to decide halacha is will we reach the, the degree of communal, of communal vaccination that enables us to end the pandemic or not? And that depends not on your decision. It depends on your decision and those of everyone else. And unless you all make the same decision, we're in trouble. So I think that that Perspective uh, needs to be introduced much more into um, into halacha. Okay, I wanted to um, talk about uh, one more Shila in the um, in the same context. Uh, it's really you know, uh, my uh, my friend Rabbi Dov Linzer and um, also Rabbi Susker Katz, um, who I apologize I can't cite because I haven't had a chance to read his trivia yet. Um, except you know, except in in his brief citation of it in a comment on Rabbi Linzer, uh, addressed the question of. Whether you make a bracha when you get vaccinated, um, and particularly the question that they asked, right? You could ask the question, "Do you make a bracha at all? Uh, right, But they uh, they framed the question as, "Which bracha do you make? Do you make do you make a Hagomel? Do you make a Shechianu? Or do you make a uh, Atov Hametiv?" Um, and so a big part of it, right, was Rabbi So Rabbi initially said that he thought you should make Atov Hametiv and not Hagomel. Because he didn't think that essentially, right? You can look at it, right, and see whether I'm categorized, but essentially it was having the same problem as Rabbi Weiss. Do we really think that you have been in pikuach Nefesh? Um, and the answer is no, probably not. Um, so he, Rabbi Linzer writes as an addendum that after, after he wrote this, that he heard from many uh, people, like the person asking the question that Rashachter forwarded, where he's right, that, that uh, medical personnel. Really felt that they had right that vaccination would be a moment of a moment of freedom. Uh, so religious said, you know, that he, that he also that the reason he also seemed to, to push against hagomel is that he has a he, right, he believes in very narrow categories of uh, of, of hagomel as opposed to any risk you've been in, although he acknowledges that that's not necessarily the best outlook. So here I want to make one other point, which I think is really uh, is really very crucial and relates to all the things Ray Weiss said as well, and I think that. It's a reframing that would that would I think yield uh, a different halachic discussion, and I think perhaps a more productive one. Roy Weiss makes the claim continually that the basis of his psaq is that if you engage in proper precautions, you're not likely to um, you're not likely to uh, right to get ill yourself. I don't know that he's right about that in terms of medical professionals, right? I think that that's a factual claim. Is that I'm not? It's not my job to make that. I think it's a. I think that. It's uh, it's a somewhat questionable practical claim. All right, I'll leave it at the, I'll, leave, I'll leave it at that. But that's not really the the issue for for me, for those of us who are not medical professionals. It's a right. It, the real question is not is not we 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 could avoid pikuach nefesh on the whole by staying home. Uh, right by only right, which you know, in large measure my family has done. Right, we stay right we stay home absolutely. We don't stay in contact with anybody who hasn't right? – we're, we're not in contact with anybody who hasn't positively quarantined themselves and gotten a positive test. We have all our groceries delivered. Uh, right, right, you know, right? We try to do everything we can to avoid any kind of contact. Um, so really what's going on in, um, in the question of priorities of vaccination is not so much – there's a group of people – or here's the way I would frame it. There's a group of people who have no choice. Society gives them no choice but to – put themselves in positions that risk themselves and others con- constantly, of which there's, you know, the medical professionals are the obvious, of uh, the obvious case like that, but the other people like that, um, people, right, clerks in grocery stores, Uber drivers, right, right all sorts of people who have no choice, um, right, we've decided socially, right, that they are essential services, and at the same, right, and those, in providing those essential services, they put themselves and others at risk. So I think those, are the people who need to be prioritized, because they don't. Because the, for them, there's no choice about being. That's what I think is the right category of whole, if ha'filanu, if there were one, they're the people who have no choice but to be in situations where they risk themselves and others. Then, for most of the rest of us, and in varying degrees depending on our economic circumstances, on our other responsibilities, uh, what we're really making, what we're really talking about is: Do we get to live something resembling a normal life? All right. In order to live something resembling, right to the we have to be vaccinated in order to live something resembling a normal life, otherwise we have to be hermits uh, and that I think is really the way the question needs to be uh, needs to be framed and I guess we also need to know that every time that any person's choice not to vaccinate is really sentencing not just they're not just putting other people at risk unless they agree to hermetically isolate themselves they're forcing everybody else who is at risk into hermetically sealed chambers, right? I can't go out because somebody else who has not vaccinated might be walking down, the, might be jogging down the street um, right next to me. So I think that's really that the the framework we need to be thinking about is understanding the costs, not individually, but the costs socially to so many other people if we don't reach the uh, right, a sufficient point to enable normal life to resume for so many of us. And when we think about prioritization, which is the opening question, so I think that the Proper access for prioritization uh, are right are the, are the first thing we do is we vaccinate the people who have no choice but to put themselves and others at risk. And they say they're all there are categories of people who do that professionally. it uh, might be that there are patients in confi- are people in confined areas, nursing home patients, prisoners who right who don't have the option of Avoiding contact with others because they're they, they're either cared or supervised by lots of others people whose behavior they don't control. I think that has to be the prioritization. And then after that, we have to talk. We, we should be talking about the way in which we can um, free the most people in the most significant way to resume a life that looks something like you know what we thought was normal um, nine months ago. Uh, and I think that that that's the right axis uh, that we should be thinking about. Uh, in terms of figuring out vaccine um, prioritization. I think that can be rooted um, well in, um, well in halakha in two ways. Right? We've talked about equivalence of lives, talked about the priority of avoiding risk to others as opposed to risk to yourself. And the last thing, which we, we didn't do in the context of this year, uh, is talking about the value halacha gives to living a normal life. Um, right? I think that will be the will be the third. Okay, that's the end of what I have to say. And um, so now I would, you know, I, I guess I, I, I'll i be frank. I'd be very disappointed if there were no questions at all, <laughs> uh, right. I, you know, I'll look at the chat, right. And it's entirely correct, right. That, you know, that this analysis is not unique to um, is not unique to COVID. Uh, it applies to measles and mumps as well, but I don't want to talk about, you know, but in different ways um, I don't want to, I don't, you know, so I don't want to distract myself because I, the truth is I'm not up enough on, the numbers and, and the way in which it spreads in other diseases. So I don't um, I don't I don't want to move on to that. The principles are the same. Okay, so uh, I'm hopeful that there are questions and challenges. If it incentivizes you, I intend to um, to write this as a response to the rabbi who asked me and write. So I'd like to make sure that I haven't said anything obviously wrong um, before I write before I write it up. So please challenge me. Um.
1: Right, Clapper, I've got a question about um, those who are struggling with mental health um, issues right now. There's a very large population in that category, Um, and I I don't think it's just about their right to a normal life, uh, but their capacity to gain, um, you know, re-socialization is critical for their Uh, Emotional well-being. How, how would that, you know, would, how would we categorize, um, let's say somebody who's at risk of self-harm because of their isolation? Um, you know, is that, is that what, what tier or what priority would that get? Um, they're not providing a critical service, you know, by being a grocery clerk, but, um, the more time that they spend in their harmful routines the harder it will be for them to recover um so how do you like how do you think of that uh, population
0: so that's a right that's a, that's a great question i actually got a a, you know, a practical question uh very you know, very similar to that um last week uh you know people talking about like you know whether you know what do you do, right, if maintaining the strictest level of restrictions actually puts you at grave risk of, you know, lack of, uh, right, of, of harming your mental health? Um, so my answer to that would be, uh, you know, first of all, right, this is a general move that, you know, that we don't, we can't view self-harm as a wrong moral choice that you can be punished for, but, right, right we view that as a symptom of mental illness on the whole. Right? Lack of mental health, I would say, right, illness is, I think, it's not, might not be the right category. And so the simplest answer is, you know, that's immediately of it right if that's if, if you're talking about if you're talking about actual right actual risk of, right, actual risk of self harm that's usually not the case. The more likely circumstance is that will happen is that such people will end up breaking the rules in order right, in order to find some social some social circumstance so I think that you know, that you know, that when that is something that is you know extraordinarily hard to overcome which i you know where you you know that you view those people as also in situations where they have no choice really, but to put themselves and others at risk, right? The risk to them may come in, right, they have a choice of putting themselves at risk by not right by not going out or by putting others at risk by going out. And so again, because I, I want to be clear right? as we thought, I don't think that grocery workers, right, who get priority because they're doing a societal good. Right I think they would get priority because they have no choice but to be in a situation which risks themselves and others so people who because of mental health difficulties, will also have no choice but to put themselves or others at risk are i think in the same are, i think in the same category now how you administratively do that you know do right you know do right that's a whole that's a whole challenge right you know what what sort of doctors know those are administrative challenges, but on a moral level, I think that's the basic framework right is you know that if there's no possibility and right and we can't view it as a moral failing that you won't be able to put yourself in, you'll be able to avoid putting yourself in a situation which will endanger yourself or others so then you need to go up above those of us who make that choice however painful it is for us i agree <laughs> okay <laughs> good <laughs> uh i'm glad i can always play out you know play out theoretical frameworks uh but you know I guess, unless you'll attack me, right? So then, you know, probably I'll stick to it. So this is a really good chance to influence me.
1: Um, right, uh, I you to
0: see
1: you. you too. <laughs> I, I, so going back to Robert Chessis' question, uh, so, or actually the way you framed it, the people who, um, who are having, you know, uh, uh, difficulties, uh, uh, but they're not at actual risk of self-harm, Could we classify those people possibly as cholash en Sakana, or maybe would there be a stronger
0: case for that? I don't. I don't know that cholash en Sakana is the right category. I think to me the real thing is that they're going to put other people in sakana probably. Now, if you tell me what's going to happen is that you know you know what these people will do, right? They'll stay home, but it will mean that you know that that it will take that you know that there'll be traumas that will live with them for. For a while, but short of self harm, so yeah, that then they're choloshen basakana. That's that's right. That's entirely right. And a choloshen basakana probably goes ahead of people who aren't cholim at all, right? I think that's probably right. But I think in many of these cases, um, it's much more likely that what's going to happen is that they're going to start cutting corners uh, about safety safety things, and so it's probably it's probably more in the category of creating create, creating Whatever that category of communal risk is, their Weiss seems to assimilate that to Holochainba of and I'm not sure that's the right framework. I'm not convinced. Uh, but again, you know, I'm only reading wife, so I'm, you Weiss. Know, very likely, if I had the privilege of speaking with him, I would all of a sudden be convinced. Who knows? Okay, thanks. All
1: because
2: right. The, the question of risk is, is the quantification of risk is such a challenge because you know people say, well, Uh, It's only the elderly who are going to die if this happens. So first of all, if we're saying that death is the only number that matters, that's, in my opinion, deplorable. But, um, you know, you say that, well, your your risk of death if you're 80 and you get COVID is about 20%. So that means you have an 80% chance of survival. You may not want to survive after you get that. I mean, as, as, again, as unpleasant as that sounds, that, and if you're 70, I think your mortality rate is about 10%. Again, that's a 90% chance of survival, but a 10% mortality from an infection is, you know, in a statistical framework, unacceptable. And if you extend that to the survivors of, which is, again, most people, there are, there are longer, there are long term sequelae that we are learning more about. And there are, uh, and so, it, but you get into this discussion with some people about, you know, well, it's, it's not that bad because of A, B, and C. And it's, it's, and it's to some degree, it's a question of, you know, how people assess risk and how people define such numbers in a way that is, um, Again, in my opinion, not really acceptable to discuss
0: in a communal framework. So I'll try to start responding to that, and then you can tell me. Right? I don't think we disagree at all, and I think that the. Um, yeah, I don't agree with anything you said, by the way. Either I'm not. I'm not saying it's to disagree. Right. So right. So I'm gonna try. I think you know the last sentence you said. Right, the last phrase you said was really right. Was really valuable. Right, you said, in a communal framework. Right. That these are right. I think that's really the big. Issue that needs to because if you look at it and you say okay you have a 0.05 chance I don't know what's I do right now you have like a I guess in many places like a four percent chance of getting sick over an extended period of time might have a ten percent chance of getting COVID whatever fifteen percent chance depending on how cautious you are and then you have an extra survival rate. Um, right. So that's, that's where we, we put our Pekulach Nefesh category. And then you have the risk of long term complications. And we have to figure out what sorts of long term complications, right, are, are, which what, which ones we would classify as, even though they don't necessarily lead, right? We'd have all those kind of messes, um, conceptually if we were doing that. I, agree. you know, and then we have the, then we have the very different situation communally, which is that we know that X number of people are going to die if people don't do this. right not because even though we need to break cuz cuz there're 300 million people in the United States right and and right and then i think the, the again the more complicated factor is that you can't isolate the effect of each person because right because there's a right because what 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 effect your decision makes really depends on how other people make it, make decisions right and the effects multiply at some points. So i think that i think you're right that on a communal level we need to consider long-term disability um, right, and those sorts, right, those sorts of issues, much more, uh, much more seriously. On a communal level, you need to think about the long-term social costs of if it's really true, right, that, that large numbers that we're going to be massively increasing inequality in certain ways because, right, because the education of 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 um, right of people if lower-income people is going to be affected much more dramatically than of higher-income people. We need to think about whether our capacity to provide for medical research. Is going to be diminished because we have put ourselves. We have spent enormous amounts of money without producing, right? Without producing any goods, any equivalent. Right, so we've created this massive debt, right? All right, whether you, you know, or you can say some economists think not, right? But that's it. I think all those sorts of issues as a um a community is entitled to make those decisions, and when right, and post can have to be very careful about what you're saying. You know, well, I'm making whether. I'm making this decision because the only sphere of influence I have is this. But I should recognize that if I were in a bigger sphere, I would have to make you know I have to think I'd have to think in a much broader scale, and therefore say in those circumstances, you know what? Even though this might be the answer I would give to you if you came to me as a private person and the government had said nothing, but the government made the decision this way, and now we have to. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Shiva of Newark at IDT Podcast.